Lord. How many can agree that the Lord is more than amazing? Amen. Come on. Well, at this time, kids, you can be dismissed for Children's Church. Amen. The rest of you, please turn your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And today I want you to do something different. Say, different's good. I actually want you to stand up as I read the text for today. Amen. Honoring the Word of God. Praise the name of Jesus. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It's up on the screen if you don't have your Bible to that. The Scripture says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Hmm. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I'm also going to go to John chapter 10, 10. A lot of you probably have this memorized. In the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in our midst, Lord. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to receive this word today. Let it go deep into our spirits, my God, and transform our thinking. We give you glory and we give you honor for this. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. amen. As you sit down, say, choose life. life. We need to choose life. Moses, in Deuteronomy, he's getting ready to pass the baton onto his younger brother, Joshua. And before he does that, he gets before the children of Israel. And he tells them, listen, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Moses, was, who was a type of deliverer that led the children of Israel out of 430 years of bondage in Egypt, which is a type of the world under Pharaoh's hand, a type of the devil. And as he brought them out of the wilderness, God then, on Mount Sinai, gave them the law. Up until then, sin was not defined. But once the law came, then they knew the difference between living righteously and living in sin. God is a covenant God. And he had a promise to these people. And so Moses is saying, listen, you guys, I've been with you for these 40 years in the wilderness and I call heaven and earth as witnesses to what I'm going to say to you right now. I have set before you during these days that I've been with you as the Lord has been working through me because you didn't want to go to the Lord on your own, but you wanted me to be your intermediary. And he said, listen to me. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Today we are recognizing and celebrating the sanctity of human life. And today's message is titled, Choose Life. 
For weeks, a six-year-old uh, little boy kept telling his first grade teacher, Mommy's going to have a baby. Mommy's going to have a baby. He was so excited that he was going to have a little brother or sister. That's all he could talk about in school. Before everybody he came in contact with, that was his dialogue. And so, one day, his mommy said, Son, come here. So little Tommy went over to his mom. And she, she said, Here, give me your hand. And she had him put his hand on her tummy. And of course, as she was advanced in her pregnancy, she, he could actually feel movement in her, her tummy. He immediately took his hand off of his mom's tummy. His eyes got super big. He stopped talking about his mom having a baby. And his first grade teacher thought that was pretty strange. So one day, she lifted him up on her lap, and she said, Tommy, so tell me, what's going on? What's become of that little baby or little baby brother or sister that you're expecting at home? And mom and Tommy burst out in tears, and he confessed, I think mommy ate him. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Jesus said, that wasn't mine, I got it off the internet, it was pretty good. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he echoes again what Moses said to the children of Israel. Now we're under a new and better covenant established upon better promises. Jesus is getting ready to the, go, go to the cross. And he tells his disciples, and he's telling us today, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the MO of the devil. He's always out to steal, to kill, and destroy. Make no mistake about it. The enemy is very good at it, and he does it constantly. Amen. But the good news is Jesus came that we may have life. And that word life in the Greek means that we are to have life abundantly to superordinary excess. Life in the most amazing way possible. How many want to just have the life of God to its fullest? Jesus said, that's what I came to give you. Now, what does sanctity of human life mean? The generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. Amen. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the intended use of its designer. A pen is sanctified when it's used to write because that's what it was intended to do. Eyeglasses help someone see because that's what they're intended to do. In a theological sense, things are sanctified when they are used for the purpose that God intends. All of you, all of us in this room have a purpose. God has designed that in each and every one of us. A human being is sanctified. Therefore, when he or she lives according to God's design and plan, then the sanctification is present. So to go ahead and terminate a life before it even begins, do you think that's God's intended design and purpose for that living soul? Of course not. All human life is precious and should be celebrated and protected because it is a wonderful gift from God. I think every one of us in this room could agree that the two most vulnerable places of human life are either found at the beginning of life or at the end of life. 
For it's at the beginning of life when God is gloriously forming and covering a child in its mother's womb that in the name of convenience and choice, these defenseless, voiceless babies who have yet to utter their first word, take their first step, or gaze into the creation, the beauty of creation, or even experience the touch of their mother, have their lives terminated. Or at the end of life, how about that? When we as a culture, we as a culture, do not rightly and respectively regard and celebrate the dignity of those who are aged and are slowing down. Listen to me carefully, church. Heaven forbid we as a country would adopt socialized medicine. Because if we do, and a lot of young people think that's great, oh, that's great. We won't have to pay for going to the doctor, free medicine for everybody. But let me tell you something. If socialized medicine takes place, then what's going to happen is those that deserve and need medical attention the most are going to be the least that are going to be able to receive it. As ambassadors of a heavenly kingdom, as registered citizens of heaven, we as a church, we must not tune a deaf ear. Even though this whole sanctity of life has been something that it's just been around for way too long. And I think sometimes what we do in the church is we just turn away from it. We know it's there. We know it's causing a blight upon our nation. But what are we going to do about it? It's our responsibility to protect the unprotected. To speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. To honor those that are the least honored. And always, we must always choose life over death. For the innocent bloodshed of these babies and the total disregard for life of our treasured elderly, their blood cries out to God from the very ground on which we stand. Yes, like Moses of old, I stand before you today and I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. Not only all of us who are citizens of the United States of America, but most importantly, I urge you as fellow citizens of an eternal, immovable, immovable kingdom that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. According to the Congressional Record, Volume 167, Number 20, page H, uh, H3116, dated Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021, now how's that for citing a source? More than 62 million babies have been killed by abortion in the United States since Roe v. Wade. Let that sink in. 62 million. And that was last February. The question that I think about and the question I think we should all ponder is, where would this nation be today if the high court of this land would have rendered their decision on Roe v. Wade on the side of life and not death, on the side of blessing and not cursing? We can only imagine. We can only imagine where we would be today.
we could only imagine. Number one, I don't think we'd have a worker shortage right now. We can only imagine. But I can assure you the spiritual, moral, social, civil, and political condition of this nation right now would be vastly, vastly better than what we're experiencing today. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we must wake up. We who are possessors of life and that life in abundance, we need to arise, shine. For the light of Jesus Christ has come upon us. And the glory of the Lord shall be risen upon us. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah in us, the hope of glory, the giver of life, he is roaring inside of all of us today, right now, to always choose and proclaim life to a culture that is unknowingly and currently overcome and imprisoned by curses and death. We have the life of Jesus Christ inside of us. Not only do we have the greater one inside of us, but we have the giver of life inside of us. We can make a difference. And for those who are born again in Christ, I'm speaking both to men and women that out of fear, you got sucked in and you terminated a pregnancy. Listen. God does not hate you. He loves you. And if you've never asked him to forgive you for that, will you do it today? Because you have his life inside of him. You have your light in, his light inside of you. You can make a difference. Don't be overcome anymore with the darkness of death. Jesus has told us in his word, if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. He said, therefore, take heed that the light that is in you, say, I got the light of God inside of me. Say, I've been born again and translated into the kingdom of his light. Jesus is speaking to born again children of God, you understand. Children of light, he says, if that light that is in you, because someone who's not born again does not have light in them. They only have darkness, they're overcome with darkness. But we have the light in them. He says, take heed that the light that is in you is not darkness. There is therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Romans 8.1. So if I'm speaking to someone that has had an abortion, please understand that God loves you and be released from that darkness of guilt and condemnation. No one's going to judge anybody here. This nation has got sucked into a lie. And the curses upon this nation are real because we did not choose life when we had an opportunity to choose life. But the good news is we have a choice today to choose life. Every day we wake up, we can choose life. Every day we wake up, we should be choosing life. We should wake up and we should lift our hands towards heaven and say, Lord God, I thank you that I have your abundant life inside of me. And I'm not going to put it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let the glorious light of your presence and your love shine brightly from me.
It's what the world needs right now. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. It's our watch right now, church. 60, over 62 million, it doesn't have to continue. We can still be on our knees and pray and pray and pray that that terrible law that has put such a curse on this nation would be reversed. But can I tell you something about laws? That's not going to change the heart of men. Because laws only show the true condition of man. But laws never transform a man. If laws could have transformed a man, then Jesus would have never had to go to the cross because the law, the Ten Commandments, would have been enough. But Paul says that the law is a schoolmaster, is a taskmaster, and it reveals our need for a Savior. The prayers at this church, we had a wonderful season of prayer yesterday morning. And we've been praying and believing that a spirit of strong conviction would come across this land. Because if Roe v. Wade got reversed, would that change anything? But if men and women's hearts got changed, if there was a spiritual awakening that would hit this land, if people would meet Jesus Christ and recognize that they are lost without a Savior and would fall before the cross of Jesus Christ and give their heart afresh and anew to him, well, then just with a changed heart, Roe v. Wade would just lose any effect whatsoever. Well, pastor, it's been this way since 1972. How is it going to change? When is it going to change? It's going to change when we change. It's going to change when the church of Jesus Christ changes. We can't point our finger down at those that are caught in darkness. They don't know any better. They're going to keep on sinning. They're going to keep on doing their own thing. They don't want anything to do with God. But we can change the world. The early church were world changers. They turned the world upside down. Oh, how I pray for that power to come back into the church. How I pray for the power of the conviction of the holiness of God to come back into the church. Or even if we just say one little lie because we think we're protecting somebody, we come under the great conviction of God where we just fall on our knees and cry out to God and say, Oh God, how undone I am. Please forgive me. But we cohabitate with sin. Sometimes I think we like our darkness. Our eyes must be single. What we need to do in the church is we need to become more God-minded than man-minded. You know the story, don't you? You know the story where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And Jesus, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are questioning him as they always do. 
Jesus, then after he got alone with his disciples, he said to them, Who do men say that I am? Well, they say you're this or you're that. And then Jesus said, but the all-important question, which the Lord asks each and every one of us, and it's going to determine whether heaven is our home for all eternity or not. He said, but who do you say that I am? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered what it would be like if Jesus appeared to you personally and with those flaming eyes of fire, full of love, burning into your soul, there's no place that you can escape. He looks at you and he says, son, daughter, who do you say that I am? We must say, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. <laughs> You're the son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you because no man can come to the Father except the Spirit leads them and draws them to Jesus, the only way, the truth, and the life. He said, it's only my Father in heaven that's revealed that to you. I'm sure Peter thought, oh boy, did I hit that one right And then later on, Jesus is saying he has to go to Jerusalem, but he knows it's not going to be good for him there because he's going to be beaten and he's going to be mocked and he's going to be put to death there. Peter pulls him aside, the one that just confessed that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, by divine revelation. And he takes him, I can almost see it, by the, sh by the arms and shakes Jesus and he goes, Jesus, far be it from you that that's what's going to happen. And Jesus said, depart from me. Satan, you're an offense to me. You don't know what spirit you're of. For you savor the things of man more than the things of God. We become an offense to the Lord in his kingdom when we as children of God, bought by the precious blood of the Lamb, born again of his spirit, when we preoccupy ourselves with the things of man then more than the things of God. That's why 62 million babies have been murdered in the name of convenience. We must be savoring the things of God, church. We must set our mind on things above, not things of this earth. We must not get caught up in the political rhetoric that's around us all the time that tries to suck us in, thinking that we can defeat the, the mindset of this current antichrist culture in the natural way. We cannot. But the good news is we have the greater one, Jesus, living inside of us. We can make a difference. Every one of us can make a difference. I had a message I was going to preach about not going under for going over. Because when the storms rise up on the seas of Galilee in our life, are we going to fall apart like a $2 suitcase, like the disciples did? Or are we going to remember that Jesus is in the hinder part of the boat? Because Jesus hasn't called any one of us to do this apart from him. That is... That is the most crazy thing. 
in the whole wide world. Jesus told his disciples, let us go over. Jesus told his disciples, I don't want you to do anything until the Holy Ghost comes in that upper room. And when the Holy Spirit came with flames of fire upon them, then they became witnesses unto the Lord. The Lord is desiring so much. I just hear that roar. I hear his roar inside of my spirit. Do you, do, you, do you feel that rumbling inside of you? Do you feel the spirit of God just rising up inside of you right now? Do you, do, you, do you understand that you just can't sit still anymore, but you have to go forth now in the name of Jesus and d- display his love like never before? To love people into the kingdom, to love them into the kingdom. See, when we're more mindful of the things of man than the things of God, then what we do is we seek sympathy over compassion and we gravitate towards fear instead of faith. Sympathy. (laughs) What's sympathy? Sympathy is of the soul. Sympathy. We want to pat a cake one another on the back and say, oh, you poor thing. They said that about you. They did that about you. Oh, you poor thing. I can only imagine how you're feeling. Sympathy will never transform one's life. Sympathy will only keep people caught up in the cesspool of self-pity. But compassion, on the other hand... (laughs) It's of the Spirit. It's a deep yearning that comes from, from the Lord's heart into our heart, where we're moved with compassion now. Where we do not just patty cake sin and keep people in that state of desperation. But we command the devil to leave in the name of Jesus. We command that Antichrist spirit to be off of their spirit of their minds. And then we lay hands on them. Don't lay hands on somebody until you cast out that devil. When you're too mindful of things of man, you open yourself to the lies of the father of lies. Just because you're born again doesn't mean the devil doesn't come after you. I think the majority of the church is demonized. I'm serious. And it's a sad commentary. We're going to have a deliverance retreat coming up, by the way, and I want you to mark yourself down to come. I don't know when we're going to have it, but it's going to be soon. And then we're going to be doing the training for the healing rooms because we have to be, our compassion center needs to be running. We can't wait anymore. Compassion, though, compassion imparts the life of God to others. Compassion reaches down and ministers when it's not convenient. Compassion only comes for those that live a prayed up, fasted lifestyle where they die completely to self, and all that is left is the amazing agape love of God. That's what people need. That's what we all need. (laughs) But Jesus, the disciples said to him, as the waves were blowing, 
The mast was falling apart. The waves were beating against the side of the boat. The boat was filling up with water. And they immediately got into fear instead of staying in faith. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? We're all going to die out here. Because let me tell you about that Sea of Galilee. It could be as calm as calm can be. But in the matter of five or ten minutes, the worst hellish storm could rise up without notice. When trouble comes, sometimes we think, God, where are you? <laughs> they said in, in Mark's account of that story, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing here? We come into trouble and we think God doesn't care about us. We've had this disease and sickness so long, we think, well, God's not listening to me anymore. God doesn't care. And we get into self-pity and we want sympathy from other people. But what we need is the compassion of God to rise up inside of us. And we need someone who has the compassion of God working in them that will come in agreement and raise us up out of that miry pit. How about it, church? Can 2022 be different? Can we see a, a reversal of this death sentence against our nation? The Lord said to Ezekiel, I look for a man who will stand in the gap, but I couldn't find anybody. So now I, I have to bring judgment. I have to bring destruction because you know what? That's what they sowed. Ezekiel said, I'm here. How about you? Can you lift your hand today and say, Lord, I'm here? Can you actually say that? If you truly believe that with me, I want you to stand to your feet right now before the witness of God and everybody else. I'm here, Lord. In fact, put your right hand on your heart. And from your heart, not your head. These words mean something now. I want you to repeat this prayer if you truly mean it. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, please forgive me of ever being complacent and allowing the spirit of darkness to continue to bring this nation down. I thank you, Lord, for the life that you've given me, for that abundant life that you've given me through Jesus. Search my heart, O oh God. And if there be anything wicked within me, reveal it to me. I repent of it. I renounce it. In the name of Jesus, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Not only clean me up fully, not only make me whole, but I thank you, Lord, that your eternal life 
continues to rule my heart and my life. Use me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Drive me to my knees to stand in the gap for the defenseless, for the voiceless, for the weak. Help me to be strong and to pray life over this nation. Bring a spiritual awakening upon this land. Transform lives. May your holiness, your righteousness, and a genuine fear of the Lord always move my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jerry, why don't you make your way up here? I want you to close this service in prayer. But before I do, I, there was one announcement I neglected to make. There was a couple announcements. But anyway, Tuesday is the Republican Caucus. And it's at, Gil, tell us again, Mayo High School? 7 o'clock at Mayo High School. If you, want to, if you want to make a difference, go to the caucus. You say, I've never been there before. This is where your voice can be heard on the very grassroots level. The governor, uh, the, next, the state's next governor, uh, there's going to be a straw vote taken, and this goes on then to the, the county, or the, is this, and then it goes on to the state, the state convention, and then, anyway, it's important. Please, Mayo High School, 7 sharp. Amen? Okay. Jerry, why don't you close in prayer, please? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the words today that bring life to, life to this country. We need more life here. We need to get out there. We need to walk amongst the people and bring them life. Show our light. Let it shine to all those out there. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for our life for those that are coming into this world. In the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.